make the rate of suicide and the attempted rate of suicide has increased get this 300% and I love what Paul says in Philippians 4 he's in prison right but he says have no anxiety about anything he's in prison in a dungeon with rats and horrible smells and He says, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving in your heart, tell God your problem. And the peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He's also the one who says in Corinthians that take every thought captive. Don't you think they were doing that in that prison? I mean, what they were facing, what they were undergoing the suffering they were in to take every thought captive. That's tough, isn't it? It really is. And uh, Abba, Father, we thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit who lives in these holy temples, that we are your holy temple. We thank you that you have given us the power and the dunamis power and the grace that we can take our thoughts captive, that we can be more than conquerors, that we can be overcomers in this world by faith. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in us, through us, and for us. And we give you all praise, glory, and honor, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, if you're here today, are you new or have you been here a while? Anybody new for the first time today? Well, welcome. I hope you picked up a gift bag on your way in. If not, pick one up at the door when you leave. We pray that the Lord blesses you and gives you his wonderful love today. (laughs) And Monday is 4th of July, right? Independence Day. Uh, Pastor Bonnie put in the announcement sheet what it is. So you can read that on your own. But uh, we want you to have a good time and be safe. But don't forget to thank our Lord for America. I know God loves America. And I pray every single morning in my time with him, save America, Lord. Save America and bring her back to you. And I think that there are a lot of people praying that around the world for America because they know, they know America is the greatest country in the world, right? (laughs) I don't hear any amens on that one. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, if I've been all over the world. I've been in other countries, let me tell you. It is. Even with all our troubles, even with all our division, it's still the greatest country. So uh, pray for America. And uh, guess what? <laughs> Today is Communion Sunday, so, and it will be at the end of the service. Uh, the message, I mean, not the service. At the end of the message. And we know Pastor Lou is going to give us a great sermon. Uh, So prepare your hearts to celebrate all. All. I don't know if you can take it in. Sometimes I can't. All that Jesus did for us. And today, Maggie, you did it again. In Sunday Bible class. We We don't have Sunday school here. We have Sunday Bible class. We get Bible 
We get strong Bible teachers here on Sunday morning at 9.30, so please attend. And next Sunday, Brian Patnod, we're going to get blessed by you again, an anointed teacher. And now, we're still going to worship with our... Sash, what are we going to do? <laughs> you couldn't hear that, but she says, we're going to give our money. <laughs> She's so real. <laughs> We get to give our money. <laughs> Praise God. So God loves a cheerful giver. Again, remember all that he has done for us. You live in America. That's one good thing. Amen. And uh, we get to worship freely. So, um, oh, Pastor, Pastor Louie, how are you? Ready Doing for a good, good message again? Always. Okay. Um, we are so excited. We are blessed that Pastor Louie is right now, today, officially at TLC full-time. He has left his job at the college to do what? To obey God's call on your life. That's right. So... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and he, if you look in your announcement sheet, if you got one, at the top, you'll notice that he is now titled lead pastor. So give him another great welcome. Hallelujah. 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 Let's finish uh, with our tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. Did you have something to say? Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm very grateful for uh, the opportunity. You know, I've been here for many, many years. Uh, pastor Ramona is the founding pastor, and I'm the lead pastor. And with uh, the passing away of uh, Pastor Howard last year, it was very, very clear. You know, you ask God for timing, and you ask God for vision and direction. And sometimes it just hits you right in the face. So uh, this was one of those hitch-in-the-face moments. And, you know, I've been teaching here with uh, you and being in the fellowship for many, many years. I'm faithful to Pastor Howard and Pastor Ramona, their leadership, their covering their guidance, and uh, I continue to work. We're going to be working together. She's still the founding pastor, and we honor her with that and all that she's done. As you look around, uh, everything that she's put her hand to, like my wife, has been has been successful. They've worked, uh, you know. The, the two of them with, with uh, Pastor Bonnie and uh, now Kevin, it's just a tremendous, tremendous team. So I'm very honored to be here. God bless you, and... Uh, Thank you very, very much for your continued support. We love you guys. Amen. Amen. I love you guys too. Now, last week we talked about sometimes it's easier just to mow around it. And we talked about how sometimes, and it was this track, uh, this uh, truck that was in a field as my brother Frank and I were riding by, this beautifully mowed field with brown top millet in the back, and there was this truck right in the middle of the field that had been mowed around. And as we talked about that last week, we went in and dug into some scriptures about how sometimes it's easier to mow around it than to deal with it. And at the end of the service last week, we talked about how to at least get a weed eater out. (laughs) If you're not going to deal with the truck in the field, at least get a weed eater out and start chopping away at the weeds. And so that would start, this is a, this is a second part of a three-part series on being stronger in Christ. 
And next week, we're going to talk about how to trust God in prayer. Pastor Ramona used that scripture today that I'm going to use next week. But this week, after we've talked about it's easier to move around at least, I hope last week I left you with a charge that you would at least try to trim some of the weeds around that issue that you've been mowing around so that you could get closer to God, so that you could learn more from God, so that you could benefit more from his blessings, and so that you could uh, be able to come closer to him and use his power. This week, we're going to talk about a pit stop, Mark one thirty-five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. We're going to break this scripture down just a little bit, but, you know, being from Daytona, you'll always be associated with the beach. I mean, we get to drive on our beach, and it's amazing when people find that out here for the first time. Being, uh, working in Daytona all my life, seeing people that would come here for the first time and drive up on that beach and run out with their eyes focused on the beach, not thinking about the cars. Yeah, hallelujah. It's a beautiful place. But you can't get to the beach if you come off 95 until you ride by the speedway. Daytona International Speedway, it looms large. It really does. And uh, it's the home of NASCAR, the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. It's a big place. And there's a lot of things that go on in the speedway. And when a, a car is in a race, you know, the Daytona 500 is the crown jewel of NASCAR racing. It starts off the season. It's a big deal. And I'll tell you that you can see quickly in a race that when you're in a race, pit stops for these cars are crucial. If you don't have a good pit stop, you can lose a race. If you don't have a pit stop strategy, you, you can fall apart and nobody will ever remember you. Well, guess what? It's the same thing in life. You, you need a pit stop. The scripture again is Mark one thirty five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, to win a race, you need a good pit stop. Now, I don't know if you know what a pit stop is or not. You may have never been to a race, but a pit stop's kind of got an, uh, an anatomy to it. You, you plan ahead based on tires or gas or length of the race. You're communicating with your crew, your spotters, and you come in off a of turn four and you get in on pit road, you start slowing down. Your pit crew's there and they've got this big number with your car number on it, like number three or 43 or 25, and they're waving it. And you've got a specific place that you pit, a successful pit is 12 to 16 seconds. And they get gas and tires, wipe the windshield. The driver is in there alone for just a few minutes, get some water handed to him or her, take the water out. The official stands out of the way. They drop the jack, four tires are on, and you're out of there quicker than what it took me to tell you all about this. You see, 
they're in a race. And they're trying to win a race. Historically, July 4th was the firecracker 400. They've changed that race now. But they're still racing in the blood of people that come to Daytona. And I want you to know, they're not the only ones that are in a race. We're all in a race. Every one of us is in a race. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that all in a race, the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. If you're going to get the prize, you've got to have a strategy. You've got to know what you're doing. If you're going to run for the prize, you've got to be able to see the prize. Do you know what the prize is? Most of us here, I would say, have given our life to Jesus Christ. But there's a bigger prize even, living for him, bringing in souls that don't know him, sharing his love with others, bringing them so that they can be in this race and you can get them across the finish line, helping them, helping build the church, not this church, the church of Christ. And that race can be very long. The Daytona 500 is 500 miles, 200 laps around a 2.5-mile trioval takes about three and a half hours. But I dare say that the race that we run is much longer. It's not always a nice, smooth, paved trioval. You don't always have people in the stands cheering you on. You talked about that this morning. Satan's looking for every way he can to knock you down. You don't have to tolerate that. You don't have to put up with it. A race can be very long. In this circumstance that we're talking about in Mark, Jesus had just started his his, uh, ministry. He's got a lot of stuff coming up just as he starts his ministry, and he's got a lot of stuff that follow it. I'm going to take you through it real quick. But I'm going to let you know that Jesus himself had a pit stop. Look at Mark 1, 9 through 11. At the time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. She said, this is when Jesus was baptized by John. And he was baptized by John in the Jordan River, and he was starting his ministry. And as just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. I I want you to know that when you came up out of the water, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he's saying to you, oh, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. You've got a race ahead of you that you've got to run. You've got obstacles that you've got to get around. Not everybody's going to be cheering for you, but I am. Mark 1, 12 and 13 says this. And at once, the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. You see, Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tested by Satan for 40 days. 40 is a time of testing in the Bible. 400 years in captivity. You know, it rained 40 days and. 40 nights. 
Moses fled for over 40 years after killing the Egyptian before he came back and brought the people out of Egypt. Forty days the spies went into Canaan and saw those that were so big, said that we looked like grasshoppers. Forty lashes was all you could give. Forty days Goliath stood in the valley and taunted Saul's army. And Jesus fasted 40 days before his temptation. And he faced three temptations in the desert. One was turning the stones into bread. The other was bowing down to Satan and putting God to the test. Remember, a race can be very long. Pit stops are crucial. Mark 1, 14. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, he was working right away. He got out of the desert. He went right to work. He got tempted by Satan. He went right to work. He had fasted. He went right to work. He was running a race. Mark 1, 16 and 17 says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. You see, he began building his team. He was getting his pit crew together. He was getting his strategy together. He was doing all this, and he just kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going. He had other things that he was doing right then. In Mark one twenty six, there was an impure spirit that he, he got. The Scripture says he taught in the synagogue with authority like none of the teachers of the law. And then there was a man there with an unpure spirit. And Jesus healed him. And it says that when Jesus healed him, the, the spirit shrieked out and yelled right in the synagogue. And he leaves the synagogue and he goes over to Peter's house. And he heals Peter's mother-in-law, Mark one thirty-one. And, and, and Simon Peter's mother's in a bed sick. She's got a fever. He went to her and took her by the hand and the fever came out immediately. She began to serve him. He, he had another lap. He got one more down. And all the sick and demon-possessed came to him. And they were brought from all over town to be healed by Jesus. And it says he healed them all and cast out their evil spirits. You see, Jesus now, he needs a pit stop. Because what he's about to do, he's about to heal a leper in Mark 142, where a man came crawling on his knees and begged him to be healed. And he forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Remember the man that was brought with his four friends on a mat and they couldn't get in the door because there were so many people. So they went around and they pulled the roof off and they lowered him down with the ropes into the roof. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, they challenged him and said, oh, who can say that? And Jesus just said, so is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk? He took up his mat and he walked. And he was eating with tax collectors and sinners in Mark 2.15 at uh, Levi's house. Levi was Matthew, was a tax collector. And all these sinners, and he was accused and chastised by the Pharisees. And he was also accused for not fasting, being criticized. He was just doing his stuff. But he called in. He said, I got to have a pit stop. Look what he said. Mark 135, here's what the scriptures reveal. Very early in the morning, 
while it was still dark. Maggie talked about it this morning very early, how she spends hours. You didn't get there started out spending hours. You started out spending minutes. But listen, it says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. I want you to tell you something. Timing is very important. And the timing for this was very early in the morning. It was the fourth watch of the night. Now that's from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. You've heard him say, oh, these people, they're speaking in tongues. They must be drunk. Well, no, it's only the third hour, 6, 7, 8, 9, 9 o'clock in the morning. So the fourth watch in the night went from 3 until 6 a.m. And the Roman usually divided the the night's into four watches, three hours each. First begin at six, the second begin at nine, the third at 12, and the fourth at three. And it was at the fourth watch of the night is also when Jesus was walking on the water coming to the boat to Peter. It was in Matthew 25. He was walking and it said it was the fourth watch. It was early in the morning when the disciples were out on the boat fishing because it was cooler then. That's when Jesus came to him. It was an early time. And Jesus picked this time for a pit stop early in the morning while it was still dark. No distractions. Probably nobody calling him on the cell phone. The guy with the loud truck next door, he, he maybe just came in a few hours ago. He's not getting up now. No phone calls. It's too early for Somebody be walking around the neighborhood. You may have to decide purpose in your life to set aside a time. It, it may not be the fourth watch. It may not be from three to six, but he picked a time. He scheduled a time for a pit stop. In order for us to be effective in life, in order for us to be effective with our Lord, we got to spend some time with him. We've got to choose to spend some time with him. The example Jesus gives here is he went up early in the morning before everybody else was around. Now, you don't have to do it then. But I challenge you, find some time. Last week, try to get a few weeds from around the truck so you can see it. This week, take a pit stop. Get up early in the morning. And it says he went to a solitary place. You may have to get away from things. People are always wanting a part of us. Every one of us in here has somebody that wants something from us. Some more than others. And when we get going in the day, it's one thing after another. I guarantee that your lives are just as busy as mine. And it's stuff coming at you. Find you a solitary place that you can get. Pick a time. Find a place. It doesn't have to be three hours. Start with just a few minutes. Your life will improve. Get to a quiet place. Mine's a couch corner of a couch where I put my head. Nobody bothers me. I close my door. 
And it says he left early in the morning, very early. He went to a solitary place so he could be left alone, so he could concentrate. And it says he prayed. You may need a pit stop in your life. You may have been going round and round and round and round. You don't realize that your tires are worn. You don't realize that you're almost out of gas. You don't realize that your temperature gauge is getting higher and higher. Your blood pressure is getting higher and higher. More people are coming at you. More people want stuff from you. You're trying to get it all figured out. You may need a pit stop. You may need a pit stop if you realize right now that what I'm saying rings true to you. Maybe I haven't picked a time. Maybe I haven't went to a place. Maybe I haven't prayed in a long time. You don't let guilt run you down on this. You just say, you know what? I want to cut some weeds from around my truck. And I want to see it a little bit because it needs fixing. I'm going to set aside a time to pray this week. I'm going to go to a spot I can get away from for just a little bit this week. And I'm going to pray. Well, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how God's going to work that out. I need help figuring that out. That'll be next week. (laughs) Clear the weeds. Spend some time with God. Your life will be better. You will have more power, more strength to deal with the things that are still going to come at you. You know, after the pit stop, you still get, you get back back up out on the track. And you got fresh tires and some gas. They wipe your windshield off. They pull it off. And they go in front and scrub the stuff in front of your radiator. I'm not a race fan. But I'm a student of process. And they go right back out on the track because they want to win. Who in here doesn't want to win? N- nobody. Every one of you wants to win in areas of your life. Every one of us wants to succeed. Every one of us wants to get past the finish line. But you got to run. Every one of us has stuff coming at us right and left. One of the ones in the music room this morning was talking about things coming at them. To me, that's a call for prayer. For me, that's a call for, I know it's so busy, but I got to stop. Got to make time. Consider, consider this week. Just consider. Sometime this week doesn't have to be every day. Consider making a pit stop. Consider taking your foot off the accelerator for just a minute. Put the car in neutral. Find a time and a place to pray. Now, if your life is full of prayer, God bless you. I'm still working on that. But I suspect that everyone here is challenged. God wants you to be successful. 
Next week, we're going to talk about how to get to that place. So last week, if you didn't, get your weed eater out around that truck. Get it out this week. And this week, I challenge you, find a time to get alone and pray. Find a time, get alone and pray. And next week, we're going to talk about how to do that and whose peace to lean on when you're racing. Dear God, I thank you today for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I am convinced. I know without a doubt that your desire for us is to succeed, is to excel, is to prosper, is to bring to you the best that we can, our A game, and give it to those around because you give us your A game. Thank you, God, that you can show us this week a time that we can set it aside, get alone, and pray this week. And as we work on that, God, every one of us, me included, I know that you'll change our lives. Amen. 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 Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to do something that will help us change our lives. We're going to have communion. And uh, so the way we do communion here is we pass out the elements, the juice and the bread. Some of them are a cup with a bread underneath it. Some are a peel off. And when we get them all passed out, like we're doing now, um, we do it all at one time. We take the elements all at one time. So let's go ahead and start. Thank you. You know, you, you may wonder about communion. You, you know, you can do communion at home. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. It was uh, it was done after a meal with Jesus and his disciples, and in uh, the Book of Corinthians, it talks about this communion and how you know you should check your life because this. This ordinance of communion is a time that we symbolically take in the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. We, we take it and we ponder it. And we're thankful for what God has done for us. It represents Jesus' broken body that was given for us. His life is death his burial, his resurrection. Hallelujah. The night that uh, Jesus was betrayed, he was in an upper room. He was with his disciples, and he, he took the bread. And he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which was broken for many. Take and eat in remembrance of me.
The cup represents his blood. If you think about Jesus being on the cross, and as his hands were wide, the sword came into his body. And he bled. His blood sprinkled on the earth to sanctify us and the earth. Take, drink. Lord, I thank you for the fact that we can participate in communion. We thank you, God, for TLC. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.